Okay. It's okay. Uh, good morning, y'all. As everyone else just said, my name is Troy. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm one of the cohorts at DNC, um, and I've been going to this church since I was a freshman at UNT, since about 2013. Um, and I've had a lot of different roles at this church. Been a worship leader, member of the BIPOC team, a small group leader, percussionist. And now I kind of just sit on the side over here and make dumb jokes during the service. Um, but I'm glad that I was asked to preach a sermon this morning. It's my first ever time doing this, so bear with me as we try to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to speak to our community this morning. Um, I will start us with a prayer. Uh, God, you're good, and I thank you so much for just your word that you gave us. I pray that as I speak this morning that um, your spirit speaks through me um, and to me and to everyone else in this community this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So since this is my first sermon, I um, asked advice from people who regularly give sermons at our church, um, and it seemed like the consensus was that the sermons are usually about 25 to 40 minutes long, uh, and I don't think I've ever spoken that long before. Like, even if you added up all the words I've ever said in my whole life, I don't think it would equal 40 minutes. Um, so I set my timer to see how long it took. I preached the sermon, this, or I, I practiced preaching the sermon to my cat this weekend, and she didn't really care, but let's see how it goes. <laughs> uh, this morning, we're going to read from John chapter 11, um, and I'll go ahead and read that. We're going to read through the whole chapter, and I'll start. We're going to read from the message version, or I'm going to read from the message version. I don't know what version y'all have. A man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany the town that Mary and her sister Martha lived. This was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So her sister sent word to Jesus, Master, the one you love so very much is sick. When Jesus got this message, he said, This sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. Jesus loved Martha and her, and her sister and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard the news of Lazarus being sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. After the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. They said, Rabbi, you can't do that. The Jews are out to kill you, and you're going back? And Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daylight doesn't stumble because there's plenty of light from the sun. Walking at night, he might very well stumble because he cannot see where he's going. He said these things and announced, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. The disciples said, Master, if he's gone to sleep, he'll just get a good rest and wake up feeling fine. Jesus was talking about death while his disciples were talking about taking a nap. <laughs> then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died, and I'm, going, and I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. That's when Thomas, the one called Twin, said to his companions, come along, we might as well die with him. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already dead four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he'll be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end. I am, right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Don't you believe this? Yes, Master, all along, and I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. After saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, The teacher is here and he's asking for you. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not yet entered the town, but he was still at the place where Martha had met him. When her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking she was on the way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. He said, Where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. The Jews said, Look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, Well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. Then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead for four days. Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver, wrapped from head to toe, with a kerchief over his face. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. So that was a lot. So I'll try to summarize what happens. Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. He says it's not fatal but it will be used to the glory of God. He knows Lazarus is sick, yet he stays two extra days where he was staying. And then the disciples say that they can't even go with him because the last time they were there, the Jewish people tried to kill Jesus. Jesus tells them that Lazarus is asleep, and then they reply, well, if he's asleep, he just needs to rest. Then Jesus tells them that Lazarus is dead. Then they say, then he says it's good that he wasn't there, so now when he resurrects him, they'll believe. Then Thomas says, let's go ahead and go die with Jesus. Um, They all go to Bethany, and Lazarus has been buried already for four days. Um, Both Mary and Martha tell Jesus to his face that Lazarus would not have died if he was there. Um, And Jesus tells Martha that Lazarus will rise again, and she's like, yeah, of course, on resurrection day. And then Jesus tells him, her, that he is the resurrection and the life, um, and that whoever believes in him will not die. Jesus goes to see Lazarus, and then he weeps in verse 35. And then Jesus tells Lazarus to rise, and he does. So what does it mean? What does all of this mean? A good way of reading the scripture, um, especially the Gospels, is to ask, what is it that we learn from God from this passage? I think there's much to learn here, but I'll try to keep it simple with just a few lessons that we learn from this passage. The first is that Jesus is Lord. It's pretty easy, right? 
when I was a freshman in Focus, they used to offer this class called the School of Ministry. They were classes where students could take, led by Focus staff or apprentices. Um, And I remember taking one over the book of John. And (laughs) the only thing I remember, I remember one thing, um, the only thing I remember most is that the book of John was most likely written after the Gospels. Um, And it was written as a reminder that Jesus is God, that they are the same person. John 1 starts with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, And then the Word became flesh. So Jesus, God, came to live among his precious creations, fully embracing humanity. He lived among the Jewish people, celebrating Jewish traditions. Um, He immersed himself fully within that culture. And at the same time, the book of John also shows us that Jesus fully embraced his godhood. He performed these signs, these miracles, these big moments where he altered nature, turning water into wine, healing the blind, the sick, walking on water here, raising the dead. And oftentimes he would do these things at these big Jewish festivals or weddings um, in the fronts of cities and gates to show everyone around that he was God. In this passage, we see both the humanity and the godhood of Jesus. We see Jesus raise a man who had been dead for four days back to life, all just by telling him to do so. We also see Jesus tell Martha after she expresses her disappointment with him. He says to her that he is the resurrection and the life. And to believe in him is life. Again, this echoes John 3, 16 through 18. And this is such a bold statement that Jesus makes here. He's proclaiming to her that he is God. Martha and later Mary tell Jesus that if he was there, then Lazarus would not have died. And Jesus probably could have healed Lazarus from far away. We've seen him do it before in John 4 and in Luke with the centurion soldier. But in this passage, he goes all the way to be with Lazarus and his family to raise him from the dead. And I think by doing that, this is where we see the humanity of Christ. And that brings me to the next point. And that's Jesus loves us. In verse 5, John makes it a point to say that Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And this might be a stretch, but when I read that, it seemed like the author was trying to convey that Jesus loved them all individually, that he has this deep love despite their different temperament towards him. A few weeks ago, Drew preached a sermon about Mary and Martha and their temperaments, and you can listen to that on the podcast. In verse 35, when Jesus is being taken to Lazarus' tomb, it simply says that Jesus wept. We serve an all-powerful, all-knowing God, He loved Lazarus so much, and it pained him so much to see Mary and Martha grieving, that he also wept with him. Our Lord, the creator of the universe, weeps with those who mourn. He was moved so much by their sadness, even even though he knew that he was going to heal and bring Lazarus back to life. Still, Jesus wept. Jesus was the perfect person, and he had no shame expressing his grief. He was not ashamed to show his humanity, and he identified with the sorrow of others. We see Jesus weeping again in the garden before he's crucified. This little verse, John eleven thirty five, 35, shows us the perfect humanity and the perfect Godhood of Jesus with two simple words. Jesus wept. And the next point I have is that Jesus lays his life down for his friends. Uh, I'm going to read the rest of John chapter 11, starting at verse 45. That was the turning point for many of the Jews who were with Mary. 
They saw what Jesus did and believed in him. But some went back to the Pharisees and told on Jesus. The high priest and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Jewish ruling body. What do we do now, they asked. This man keeps doing things, creating God signs. If we let him go on, pretty soon everyone will be believing in him, and the Romans will come and remove what little power and privilege we still have. Then one of them, it was Caiaphas, the designated chief priest that year, spoke up. Don't you know anything? Can't you see that it is to our advantage that one man dies for the people rather than the whole nation be destroyed? He didn't say this because of his own accord, but as the chief priest that year, he unwittingly prophesied that Jesus was about to die sacrificially for the nation, and not only for that nation, but so that all of God's exile-scattered children might be gathered together into one people. From that day on, they plotted to kill him, so Jesus no longer went out to the public among the Jews. He withdrew into the country, bordering the desert town, to a town called Ephraim, and secluded himself there with the disciples. The Jewish Passover was coming up. Crowds of people were making their way from the country up to Jerusalem to get themselves ready for the feast. They were curious about Jesus. There was a lot of talk among them, scattered around the temple. What do you think? Do you think he'll show up at the feast or not? Meanwhile, the high priests and Pharisees gave out word that anyone who knew his whereabouts should inform them. They were all set to arrest him. So the last time we see Jesus in the town of Bethany is in John 8. They see, we see people who did not believe him pick up stones and attempt to stone him. That's why earlier Thomas said, we might as well go die with him. And I think, and I think that by Jesus' acts, Jesus' actions, we get to understand why he chose to go back to Bethany as opposed to healing Lazarus from afar. Jesus chose to go back to Bethany to comfort his friends and to personally raise Lazarus back from the dead, knowing that if he goes back, he could be easily arrested and or killed. Again, Jesus could have healed Lazarus from afar. He lays down his life and performs this miracle here in the town that doesn't like him. And this is also a reflection of the sacrifice he makes on the cross. Jesus died on the cross for us, for the people that mocked him, for the one who pierced him in the side, and for all of us. After raising Lazarus from the dead, a couple of days later, he rides to town on a donkey and sets the course for his betrayal, death, and resurrection. It seems that this miracle of raising his friend back to life was the one that pushed the leaders over the edge of hating Jesus and wanting him dead. Maybe Jesus knew that raising Lazarus from the dead would lead to God's glory because it would mean that he would fulfill the prophecy of dying and being raised from the dead himself. So what does this mean for us? I think that when we read scripture, we should try to learn about who God is. That being said, once we do learn about who he is, that should inform our lives. We see Martha and Mary here state their disappointment in Jesus to his face, yet Martha still says that she trusts and believes in him. God can and will bring life, breathe life into whatever situation we're in. Nothing is impossible for him. All the songs we sang earlier today were about bringing our worries and troubles and trials to God, laying them at his feet, declaring his goodness still and praising him still despite our situations. So let us live out our words. Let us live out our lives. Let us live our lives out like the words we sang in the songs this morning. Amen?
That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> Thank you, Troy, for sharing with us this morning. That was a great job. Clarissa, where are you? Go ahead and come up. So Clarissa's going to come up and make an announcement about the praise team. Hello. I'm going to lower this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Hey, guys. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Clarissa. Um, and to answer the question on everyone's mind, yes, tr um, Garvin and Josh are no more. I have taken yeah! charge. I'm just kidding. That is not true. They're still leading. I'm just with them now. But I'm excited to, yeah, serve this body with them um, as part of your praise team. Um, but, yeah, so we have sign-ups. I don't know if there's information behind me, but we have sign-ups for the worship team at DentonNorthChurch.com slash worship, I believe. Worship sign-up. There it is. Um, and if you've already been a part of worship team, you need to sign up again. Um, and yeah, so we're looking for, um, you know, if you're singers, if you play an instrument, if you play percussion, <laughs> wink, finding anyone. Um, but yeah, and so, um, and then if you obviously haven't been a part of it and you want to be a part, go ahead and sign up. And we'll be announcing that for a few more weeks as well. So I think the dead, is the deadline like? No deadline. Yet. No deadline. <laughs> cool, cool. Did I just break this? You're good. You're good. We're just going to let it down slowly. It's good. <laughs> yeah, so our praise team, um, we really appreciate them a whole lot. And we're always looking for more people that can join them. Um, and so if you sing or play an instrument, make sure you go to the website and sign up for a rotation on praise team. And you guys are doing a great job. Thank you so much. Okay, announcement time. So we don't have very many this morning. The first one is, I have no idea. What's the first slide? There we go. The Psalms 119 Worship Night. That's going to be a week from today. It's going to be at um, Grant and Shayla's house at 6 o'clock. And you need to come with a journal and with a physical Bible, not your phone and something to kneel on, so like a pillow or a mat or something like that. And we're going to go through Psalms 119 with some recordings of songs from Psalms 119. And so I think it's going to be a really good um, time of worship together and time of song together and reflection and prayer. And so if you can at all be there, I would encourage you to be there. I will be there. I'm not missing this. Okay, next I think we have our Shepherd's Prayer Night, which is tomorrow night. So this is tomorrow night at 7 at the Hollingsworth House, and we're going to be specifically talking about conversational prayer. So join us tomorrow night, and we will be conversing with God about some of the needs of our church family and our community as well. It lasts an hour, so we are pretty... Uh, good about going just from seven to eight so you can kind of know how much time to allot for that 
but that's always a very encouraging time, so please be there. Next. Okay, monthly men's breakfast is going to be August the 27th, and it's going to be at Ryan's house. Is that Ryan's house? Yeah, Ryan Plachet's house. And uh, breakfast will be provided. That's all you need to know, guys. Breakfast is provided at Ryan's house on the 27th. Do we have any more? Giving. Yes. So remember that you can give through Zelle or you can go to the website and give through Tithely. In, on Tithely, you can set up recurring monthly payments, but this is how we're taking our contribution. You can use these little QR codes or whatever those are. I don't know about those things, but I'm told they work, so yeah. Um, so yeah, don't forget your giving. Uh, we are going to have quite a bit of extra time this morning, so I would just encourage you guys to hang out and talk with one another. If you want to go grab coffee somewhere, you've got time to do that. Um, but thank you for being with us this morning. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.